What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Hope everybody's having an awesome week. Yes. Hope you're having a fine Tuesday, that your week is going super well. Our week is going well because we have a really exciting episode coming out. Today, we get to talk with Aubrey Thompson. She's the founder of Rebrand Skincare. So she's a chemist, she's a product developer, and she's doing really innovative work in skincare to make it super sustainable. So we got to chat with her about her background, how she started Rebrand, um, how to look out for greenwashing and things like that when you're shopping for skincare on your own and just a plethora of other things. So it's definitely a great conversation that you want to stick around for. You guys know we love skincare. We It's one of our favorite forms of self-care. So I was really excited to chat with an expert and she gives us some pro tips. So like Kylie said, definitely stick yep. around. And before yep. that, let's hop into our week in review. Yes. Um, so just so you guys know, it's thundering where I am. It's thundering mm-hmm. in Boston right now and lightning. So you might hear a big rumble while I'm talking and that's why. So <laughs> might get some good background noise. We'll see. Um, but speaking of weather in general, I feel like the weather has been so wacky lately Yeah, and it's been really frustrating because right now I feel like we're having consistently super super hot like uncomfortably hot weather during the week and then every weekend sucks every weekend is like pouring rain and it's so annoying and it's like I know that that's so not something you can like control or like should even worry about but it just frustrates me so much when you make plans and like you do everything right to have them turn out and then it's just the freaking weather that cancels them it's Mm -hmm. happened to me like so many times now but anyway that's a weird thing to complain about um (laughs) Another thing I'm going to complain about. No, just kidding. But um, So um, work has been crazy a little bit because we are simultaneously opening a new office. And um, also the director on our team just left. So yesterday was his last day, which means I'll be taking on a lot more responsibility at work. I'm kind of moving. Uh, I was really like programmatic and startup facing in my job. So now I'm kind of going to be balancing that side of my job with also being kind of like team operations um, and kind of like running a lot of our internal meetings and like things like that to help fill the gap. Um, So I feel, you know, lucky that I can take on more responsibility and hopefully, you know, it can help me prove myself and lead to me climbing the ladder soon. But It's just, I can't even really picture doing more, honestly. So (laughs) I was going to say, cut to you like two weeks ago where you're like, I don't think I could do any more work even if they wanted me to. Well, no, that's the funny part. That day, for some reason, I was, you guys will remember if you listened a couple weeks back, I was just saying like, there's no reason for me to feel as overwhelmed as I am. I just feel really overwhelmed. And then dead ass, like two days later is when uh, the director on our team put in his two weeks. And I was like, yeah, universe, like you were warning me. I like had the like, <laughs> I felt the anxiety before it was like even necessary. Yeah. So that was actually really weird. I wanted to mention that. So yeah, but I'll let you guys know how it goes. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like everyone always says like you shouldn't, you know, take on more work without asking for a promotion. 
So I feel like this will be a good learning process for me. Like I'll see yeah. how it is in a couple of weeks. And if I feel like I've actually taken enough on my plate to like start that conversation. Cause I have been at my job for like a year and three months now, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it is kind of possible. I yeah. don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But that's it for me. Yeah. I definitely think that you should test the waters and see what's out there. Cause if they trust you enough to give you more work, then they should trust you enough to promote you and like help you climb the ladder at your company. So that's at least my mindset. Just like, I don't know. I feel like I shouldn't do like two people's jobs for like one person's yeah. Yeah. salary, you know? Completely agree. <laughs> Completely agree. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, okay. So when you guys are listening to this, then I will literally be gearing up right around the corner, moving to Boston. But for now, I've really started planning. Anya was kind enough to share with me her moving spreadsheet, which is truly a work of art. Honestly, it's a work of art. And I used that as a template to create my own packing spreadsheet. And I started to shop. I got a comforter. I got an electric kettle that I'm really excited about. Important. Um, Yeah. And yeah, so it's actually starting to feel real. I feel like for a really long time, it was like, yeah, I'm moving to Boston. Yeah, I'm moving to Boston. But now I'm like, I have a full comforter just sitting on my floor. Why? Yeah, what color did because you Because I ended up with a cream. Nice. Like figured, a, like, yeah, yeah, very similar. Honestly, nice. very similar. Um, yeah, just to keep it neutral so that it could go with a lot. Um, so, yeah, things are feeling real. I'm very excited to move to Boston and not be in New Hampshire. I feel like literally all my friends are now in Massachusetts. <laughs> I'm just the last man standing up here. Um, but I'll keep you updated on how the move goes, the process. I feel like we could even do like an episode on like moving tips or like how to stay organized mm, and calm. Loki, true. Yeah, that's true. Um, we can link the spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make a make a template version. Yeah. Um, well, Kylie texted me the other day and she was like, "Oh, like looking for advice about moving in Boston because obviously, yeah. you guys know I've done it like probably over ten times now throughout college yeah. and everything." But Kylie has such a weird situation because I don't know if it's – so they have that whole parking rule on your street in the summer. Like there's no parking on Kylie's direct street for – what was it? July, August, September or something? I think June, July, August. June, July, August, which is like a good portion of the year. But it's only on Sundays, which is the – right, right, right. And I'm moving on a Sunday, which is why it's very sad. Yeah. Um, So we were like, we have to figure that one out because – you can like pay for um, guaranteed parking when you're moving in Boston, but mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if you can still do that if like the street itself doesn't allow parking on that day. Yeah. Probably not. But isn't that just? I don't know. I can't figure out why. Because like, why Sundays? Is it because it's such a touristy area? Like they want to keep it for like foot traffic? I don't know. It's weird. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it is a very narrow road, so I guess foot traffic would make sense. I don't know. It's gonna be a freaking pain in my ass. But it's like it's version. not trash day. That's my thing. Like I feel like yeah. I it would make sense if it's like trash day they didn't want cars, but it's not trash yeah. day. So I need I to apply it. for that parking and just see what happens and hope for the best. But all the logistics. Yeah. Like the moving part is so exciting. The logistics part is so stressful. I know. I'm like, That's why, why does like, this have to be so difficult? I just got moved. I'm going to get movers forever now. I think I mentioned this as one of my best purchases in that episode because it's so key. But you don't yeah. even have a lot of stuff necessarily. Well, you just have a lot to thing. figure out. 
Yeah, I feel like for my next move, I'll definitely end up getting movers because I'll, I will have accumulated more stuff and I'll have accumulated like bedroom furniture, furniture and things like that. But for now, I don't have much to move. So I'm like, I really can't justify getting movers. Like when I have a five person family that can help me just carry the stuff that I have in, but I don't know, man, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Boston moving is not fun. I mean, moving, I feel like is never fun, but moving in the city is very stressful because you just have to like think about so many things on top of it. You know, if you just had a driveway, like you wouldn't even be a problem, but anyway, it'll be fine. What can you do? I'm here to help. I've done it a lot. So yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's move into our favorites. So I was going to mention this ice cream that I've really been liking, but then I was thinking about it and I feel like I haven't had like a non-material favorite in a while. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to give you a non-material one. Maybe I'll mention the ice cream another time, Mm -hmm. but um, I actually mentioned her channel. This is a YouTuber um, in our, I want to say like our 2020 favorites episode, Mm -hmm. Um, but I wanted to bring her back up again because I've just been loving her content lately. Um, I feel like I haven't even said who it is. It's Moya (laughs) Mawani. I don't really know how to say her last name, Mawini, Mawini. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was going to Trinity College in Dublin. She just graduated, so she's like a year younger than us. Um, and she just moved to London. And I feel like her content is like, it really inspires me to like romanticize my life. Like I love her filming style. I literally think she's like the most creative person on YouTube right now. Mm-hmm. Like she just does such cool aesthetic like edits and she's like, also really honest about like her mental health and stuff. Oh, nice. um, so like I literally am obsessed with her. I think she's like probably the coolest person ever. Um, she studied art history. Like that's so cool. Yeah, that um, is really And now cool. she's living in London. So definitely highly recommend. I feel like it's really giving me like the urge to travel to Europe soon. So I'm hoping I can maybe do that like this year next. But yeah, definitely check her out. We'll have her linked below because I know her name's a little hard to spell. But yeah. I'm – obsessed with her like I highly recommend honestly like my number one youtuber right now for sure oh that's a bold statement she's so good she's so creative I'll have to check her out she's it sounds like she's almost like the London version of like a Katie Bilotti Margot Lee sort of of person but even more like artsy yeah she's very artsy she's like very Gen Z okay um I don't know she's like really talented like just Films herself painting and they're like amazing. So definitely check her out. An icon. I will have to check her out. For my favorite this week, y'all, I haven't had a paper planner in a minute because your girl was an iPad bitch in law school. And so I used my iPad as my planner. But I found myself, especially transitioning out of school and into more full-time work, just really missing a good planner, you know? So I came across this one at my local Staples, showing it to Anya. <laughs> Staples. I haven't been with Staples in like so long, I feel like. I, it was my first time in a Staples in a minute, I can tell you that much. But you know what? They came in. And what I like about this one is it shows you the week. I like planners that show, I had a planner that only showed you the day and I wasn't into it. I like to see mm. the week. I like to know what I'm getting myself into. And it just has like open spaces for each day. So I make a to-do list for each day. And then I color code. I use highlighting to color code for different things. Um, in case you're wondering, yellow is podcast stuff. So, Oh, well, that makes sense from. because in our scripts, <laughs> this is actually so weird, but in our scripts, we have to like divide up the color of like who's yeah. 
saying what and like who's asking what question. And so I'm always like a pink and Kylie's always yellow. So that makes sense. Yeah. Anya stole pink from me first. She really swooped into the first script and made herself pink. <laughs> well, I mean, yellow is also I was one like, of our brand okay. colors. So it's fine. Yeah. No, I <laughs> like the yellow. I like the yellow. Fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so it gives you that. And then on the other page, it gives you a top three next in line, random thoughts. And then the most critical part a to email list and to buy list. As someone who is applying for jobs, that to email list is freaking phenomenal. I'm so obsessed with it. It's the best thing to ever happen to me. It really is. And then at the end of each month, you get like some lined pages to just like jot notes and stuff like that. And it's tabbed for each month. It weirdly, I got it at the end of June and it weirdly started July, 2021. I was like, well, that's freaking convenient. Perfect. And it has stickers. So I put on my calendar stickers for when I need to pay rent and when my paydays are. And I'm just having a freaking phenomenal time over here. So, yeah, I feel like it's a blast from a past. We did a whole like paper versus um, digital planning episode. So you can definitely check that out. But as we talked about there, it's very polarizing. It is. um, Topic. So, you know, let us know if you are a paper planner, if you are a digital planner what your tea is or listen to our episode if you want to you know learn more and figure out which one's your jam do you think you can find the that specific planner to link I might be able to I'll definitely look for it if it's not linked below it's because I couldn't find it but I will look I found it at Staples like I said so get up Staples man it has lemon on the like, front backwards. yeah I feel like that to buy section would be really helpful for me because I always have just like trailing things that I need to get like for example dry shampoo like I I've known that I was going to run out for like many days mm-hmm. and I have been somewhere that I could buy it. And I just like, I don't because I forget. Yeah. So. No, I've been using it on the weekends, like at like Thursday, Friday, I'll make a list of the things that I want to buy for the apartment so that I'm kind of mm-hmm. like spacing out those purchases and it doesn't feel as like crazy. Um, so like I made a list that was like, okay, I need to get a comforter and a kettle and sheets and all of that. And then this weekend I'm going to order my bed and all that. And that's going to, that one's going to hurt. That one's not going to feel good gonna not be moving in general like I feel like even now like we've been here I don't know like six five or six weeks so you would think Mm -hmm. most of the expenses would be over with nope literally every week I'm like oh gotta get a few more things like drop another hundred bucks like it's crazy it's so sad (laughs) it's so sad but you know the things we do to live in Boston man it's funny because I don't know this is bizarre but for some reason whenever I say the apartment you say the like whenever someone says the word like the apartment it just always makes me think of the scene in Great Gatsby where I forget who it oh is, God. but they're like, can we get a dog for the apartment? Do you know that part? <laughs> yeah. She's like talking to Tom Buchanan. It's like the mistress. I don't remember her name, but every single time someone says like the apartment, I'm like, oh, for the apartment. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. Fun fact for everyone listening. Uh, the Great Gatsby is one of Anya's all time favorite movies, I would say. Yeah, that's true. It is true. Do you the like remake. It? The yeah. remake, don't I yell mean, at me. But like Leonardo DiCaprio though. Like you're really going to sit like, here and tell me that you don't enjoy Leonardo DiCaprio? It's Leonardo DiCaprio. It's also Baz Luhrmann. I think he's like Fair. a really innovative director. Like that soundtrack will go down in history. Oh my God, I, I believe. So. And- 
If you know anything about our show, you know Anya and I really prioritize our health, sustainability, and building a community around the things that young women go through. That's why we feel so lucky to have met and interviewed Katie Diosti in 2020, a Gen Z entrepreneur, overall badass, and founder of Viv for Your V, who we are so proud to partner with on this episode. Viv is an earth-friendly period care subscription brand created to bring sustainable and clean products to the hands of menstruators. Something crazy that I personally didn't know is that the average menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags and can take up to 800 years to break down. Yeah, and this is a big deal because a menstruator can use anywhere from 5,000 and 15,000 disposable period care products in their cycle's lifetime. And at any time, 800 million menstruators are on their period right now. That's why we feel really great about using Viv's bamboo-based products. Bamboo uses a quarter the amount of water, less land and fertilizers, and is naturally hypoallergenic, breathable, and actually more absorbent than cotton. It's so crazy to know that with every Viv box, you can save 643 pounds of CO2, 607 gallons of water, and 48 plastic bags from entering a landfill. Another problem that Viv is solving for is access to products when you need them the most. I think we can all relate to having that oh shit moment and realizing you're going to have to make a CVS run on top of all the things you're already dealing with. With their subscription-based model, it's so easy to choose how often you want your products delivered and have them on hand so you can conquer more. They have products for every type of period, from pads and liners to tampons and even menstrual cups. Viv totally converted me to a cup user. I love that it's zero waste, reusable, and lasts up to 10 years. Plus, the ring on their cup is a total game changer. You guys have to try it. We personally feel amazing about the way we're treating our bodies, the planet, and supporting a clean, sustainable, and women and minority-owned business all at the same time. Use the code and the link in our bio to shop the Viv website with 20% off, and definitely check out our episode with Katie to learn even more. And now, hotties, back to the episode. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into our chat with Aubrey. All right, and moving into the main interview portion of this episode, we are so excited to welcome Aubrey Thompson to the show. She is a chemist, which just blows my mind because chemistry was indeed my worst subject in school. (laughs) Um, And she is a product developer focused on the innovation of sustainable consumer products, namely skincare. So we mentioned in the intro that she started her own skincare company called The Rebrand. We're really excited to dive into that talk all things rebrand, kind of, you know, her founding story, and also just tips for navigating the skincare industry as a whole, because I feel like it's such an animal and we're all just trying to do our best with the information that we have. So while we have a real pro with us, we want to get all the facts. So, hey, Aubrey, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on the show, and we so appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. So just to give our listeners a bit of background information on you, do you want to talk about where you went to school for undergrad and what your major was while you were in school? For sure. So I went to UC Berkeley in the Bay Area, and I studied chemistry. And then I actually worked for a few years at a beauty brand before going back to Berkeley to do my master's in product development. So are you currently doing your master's or did you already graduate with your master's? I did graduate in 2020. Great year to graduate. (laughs) I'll never forget. (laughs) Yeah, we'll never forget. That's the year we graduated. Cool. Um, So curious about this whole chemistry thing. Like I mentioned, it wasn't really my thing, but I really (laughs) admire people who are good at it because for some reason it was just the hardest thing for me. Um, So I'm curious, did you always know that you wanted to go into chemistry and Um, Also, the rebrand has this huge sustainability focus that we're going to get into. So I'm also curious, like, when did the sustainability aspect come into the picture? And just what's the story there? Totally. So 
Yes, I did know it was going to be chemistry from literally AP chemistry in high school. So I was one of those. I know. I know. Sorry. (laughs) Um, The the bigger issue was figuring out what I was going to do with it for sure, because I do have more of a creative side and I didn't just want to be in a lab all day. Didn't really like the idea of doing a PhD or working for a pharmaceutical company or something like that. Um, And so I was kind of like in this whole process of figuring it out. And uh, at that same time, I was starting to think about the products that I used. And I was uh, specifically switching out like shampoo and conditioner kind of body products um, and doing some more research to be more eco-friendly. And at that time, I started an internship in the beauty industry at Rodan and Fields, which is a a dermatologically focused skincare company. And I loved the industry. And I really saw that this was kind of an entry point where I could use my chemistry skills, be creative, and bring kind of this eco-friendly bit into it as well. So it all kind of just came together really nicely. Um, And I'm really glad that it did and that I was able to get the experience working for a bigger brand first before um, starting my own company, which is the rebrand. Yeah, I think I'm definitely in the same camp as Anya, where I'm incredibly fascinated and intimidated by people who have hard science backgrounds and especially chemistry. And I think it's really cool that you were able to take chemistry and really put that creative spin on it and find a, an area of chemistry that fulfills you. But I am curious for our listeners who are still in college, what is one thing that you're really glad that you did in school? And what is one thing that you regret or regret not doing while you're in school? That's a great question. I think one of my bigger regrets was being really hesitant to pick up activities and just dive in when I first got to school. I was coming from a really small town and going to a huge school. And I literally hadn't made friends since kindergarten, basically. My best friends had gone to elementary school and high school with me. Um, And so that whole freshman year, I really did kind of tiptoe and I didn't join many clubs or anything. And I was just feeling it out. And I didn't have a great time, needless to say. Um, But then sophomore year, I really started diving in. I joined a sorority a church group. I became a tour guide. uh, And that was where I got a a lot of fulfillment from college was those activities that I joined and those friends that I made, Um, especially in the more technical majors. If you're out there, um, it's it can be difficult to find people that you really click with. So I would encourage joining those clubs and doing those activities um, earlier rather than later. So you get more time with those people you click with. Um, but yeah, I overall had a great college experience and I do owe it to those things that I did. So it's kind of a regret that I didn't do it sooner and something I recommend doing. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Well, and are you from California originally? Yes, I am from Los Angeles area. Um, but I loved the Bay area when I went up there for college and I'm still in Oakland. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is where you ended up. Cause I know you're in California now, but I wasn't sure where. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't stay away from the Bay. Uh, I did, I did move back to LA right after college and that's where I had my first job, but my boyfriend and I were doing long distance. He was in the Bay still and I had moved back to LA. Um, and so I did move back up and actually we got married during the pandemic. So wait, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that'll be a fun fact for the grandkids too. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, yeah, wait, true. So were you engaged before the pandemic and like trying to plan it or was it like a spontaneous situation? I love weddings. I'm like, <laughs> we're oh going to go gosh. on to the tangent. I love weddings too. So this is a tangent <laughs> I am completely down for. We were engaged in October of 2019. Mm-hmm. And our initial wedding date was in September of 2020. So we were, we had planned everything. We had our vendors, we had our guest list. Um, by the time March rolled around, we put everything on hold. And then it became clear that we were going to have to cancel in June. And we decided to elope at that point rather than postpone right. or wait for the September date. So our one-year anniversary is coming up this weekend. Oh my gosh, congrats. Yeah. I love elopements. I think that they're yeah. so special. I feel like the older I get, the less I want people like with eyes on me on my wedding day. Like I just feel like I don't want to worry about that. So I feel like that's definitely the move. Yeah, it was fantastic. I would highly recommend. We would like to have some kind of a bigger party later on in life. um, But the ceremony and like the dinner that we had with our close family and friends was just magical. So it was great. Well, I love that. Um, Anyway, looping back a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Um, I'm curious to ask, we like to ask our guests this lately. I feel like it's just kind of... um, the like gist of our show in one question. Um, curious how your plans have changed since graduating undergrad. <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah. So I had no idea I was going to be wanting to start my own company. So that in itself is just completely <laughs> unforeseen. So I thought I would work in the beauty industry. Like I did know that I, that was the industry I loved when I graduated, which I know I was kind of lucky to know that early on. But I just kind of pictured myself moving up the ranks, eventually like managing R&D for a beauty company. Um, But I just once I saw that there was this hole that I myself was looking to fill um, for a more sustainable option for my skincare routine, I just couldn't help it. I had to go (laughs) and try it out. so it's, it's been very unexpected. And I think I'm actually more terrified now than ever of I'm actually going to be quitting my part-time job to be doing my skincare company full-time. And that has been the biggest leap that I've taken so far. I've always had a safety net kind of up until now. So um, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> More will probably change. Well, the best part about safety nets is even if you let it go now, like you'll always be able to find another part-time job or anything if that's ever, that's what, at least what I told myself when I left law school, I was like, I'm going to be able to find something like, it's going to be okay. You just have to keep going because that leap could be the best leap of your life, you know? Um, I love that. But sort of transitioning into rebrand and starting your own skincare company, I'm really curious what inspired you to start your own skincare company. And if you've always been into skincare, specifically, I know you mentioned that you really love the beauty industry as a whole, but what made you want to focus in on skincare? Or was it this, um, was it more of a way to apply your chemistry background in a more, um, I don't know, direct way? Yeah, that's a great question. So I personally was trying to live more of a low waste lifestyle. I was kind of becoming vegetarian and I was composting and I was really kind of getting, I had all the eco girl basics. Um, (laughs) So I was uh, loving that. And I just realized that one of the places where I could not seem to cut it out was in my skincare routine. And there were zero waste alternatives, but they just, I couldn't even call them skincare. They would probably wash my face, but would I enjoy it like I enjoy a skincare routine? No. 
Uh, and so that's when I saw that gap that I could actually do something with because I knew how to create the formulas, but I thought I could do so much better with the packaging. So my idea and the whole um, background behind Rebrand is doing refillable skincare. So you buy your initial product in a cute glass jar with a dropper like your other products that looks really cute on your shelf. But then when you run out, you order a 2X refill in an aluminum bottle. So that will cut down on waste. The aluminum bottle is completely recyclable and very highly recycled in the US. Um, so you can keep using your initial container, hopefully for many years. Um, and that's kind of the background behind that. So I would say that being in the beauty industry and skincare has been more of an application of my chemistry knowledge. I, the reason why I like beauty so much is applying the creative aspect to something that people use on a daily basis. I think it's so cool to hear feedback from people who use the product and to see a product on shelf or in a store that you created. So, yeah. Well, I think it's really cool too. Um, and as a fellow, I like the term eco girl. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Eco girl. Um, I really love the whole kind of like circular picture that you're working on. Um, and the fact that you've been so mindful, you know, to choose aluminum, which is easily recyclable as opposed to anything else. Like, I just think you're being so thoughtful about it. So I think that's really awesome. Um, and I was really curious to ask what the process of developing a skincare product looks like, because I feel like, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that must have a lot of like trial and error involved. Um, and I'm also curious, like, if you feel like you, cause I, you're a solo entrepreneur, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, do you feel like that at all affects your process? Um, just wondering how the product development looks. And I guess given that that was your, uh, master's degree, I'm just curious yeah. to learn more about it. <laughs> yeah. So I find the product development process to be absolutely fascinating. And there's kind of a few phases that you go through. The first would be like kind of the innovation brainstorm phase where you're literally spitballing. You're coming up with crazy ideas, even if you know you would never do them. And then you move into more of a research phase. And I like to do market research. I also have a group of fabulous customers who were kind of my first adopters that I use as a sampling group. So they try out products and even just give feedback on ideas before I move forward really. And then in the lab is it gets there's plenty of trials that go on in the lab. I typically will have at least 10 trials for every product before I finalize the formula and I'm really happy with it. And that's maybe on the lower end. I know at other companies that I've worked at, you could get up into maybe even a hundred trials, really just honing in and making the product absolutely perfect. Um, to your mind, and then you still want to sample it out and make sure people like it. So for example, for my last product that I launched, which was a face cream, I thought it was to a point where I was really happy with it. And I gave it to my group of samplers. They had different feedback. And I actually did adjust the formula a little bit before launching it. So it's super cool to be able to do that and do that um, consumer research in real time and have people that are willing to give you honest feedback. And then you go to the launching part, which is super fun. You get to create all the content, do the web page, have a launch plan. And then there's still iterations after that. So if there, I, right now I'm happy with how everything is, but if I were to receive feedback that there was a change, then I could still revisit a formula. Wow. It's 
that sounds like such a process that is so fascinating, but goes so over my head. I would be <laughs> just horrible at something like that. Um, but it's amazing that we have people like you who really hone in on that and are able to create product formulas. Um, and I'm curious, especially since you have uh, experience in the skincare industry and you've kind of started to allude to this, how have you applied your observations and experiences in the skincare and beauty industry to how the way you run rebrand your product development process, really any part of rebrand that you're working on? Yeah, it was fantastic to get that industry experience first. Um, I feel like I had the technical skills because of that work experience, uh, because cosmetic chemistry is so niche. Even if you study that in college, it's not something you're going to learn in college. So I did learn a lot of my formulation style and I did develop my own formulation style, even within the confines of being at a larger company. Specifically, I'm a very minimal person in general, but also as a formulator, I'm very picky about it. I don't want to add ingredients unless they're serving a very specific purpose. I like to keep my ingredient list very short. Um, so that was something that I kind of developed uh, in industry and ended up bringing with me as, as one of the core pillars of the rebrand. Yeah, and I'm really glad you brought that up because that's actually the next thing we wanted to talk to you about was um, the three you know, values of the rebrand. And so for those of you who haven't checked out the website yet, those are sustainability, minimalism, and transparency. So I was curious if you could kind of speak to those um, and kind of why you chose them for your company. Yeah. So sustainability was the obvious one. I almost didn't know if I should even have it on the list because it's like the overarching one. It is really the main inspiration. And I think that's really important to point out because it's not just an attribute of the brand. It is the reason for the brand existing. So it's something that I really go back to anytime I come to a decision point. Um, that is my guide. And through my master's program, I was able to take classes and learn how to do life cycle analysis, which is a big part of making decisions that are going to have a better impact on the environment. So that really is my guiding principle. Uh, and then as I stated before, minimalism, I think that is also tied into sustainability. As we look at, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle as this really outdated slogan that we've been saying for 50 years, um, reduce really should be number one. We should be cutting out more on the front end rather than trying to recycle or recover it on the back end. And that goes for ingredients that I pick out and also which products I choose to make. I don't want to make, you know, 30 versions of a face mask. Not that face masks aren't great, but that would seem to me to be a bit excessive and in that way, not really sustainable. And then transparency, I think, is huge as well. And we've seen this with a lot of beauty brands, which I think is a fantastic change in the industry. And that is really empowering consumers to make their own decisions. Like, I want you to know all of the facts and still choose my product, not have to disguise something from you um, before you decide to buy something from me. Yeah, I feel like I watch a lot of skincare by Hiram. I don't know if you're, I'm assuming you're super into him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and anytime he's like looking up a product and he's like, they don't have the ingredients on the website. I'm like, girl, that's shady. Like, why are you doing that? It's like, I look for it all the time. It really does say a lot. Um, yep. Yeah. And I also yeah. like what you said about... Um, the idea of like having a million products for essentially the same thing yeah. and how that's equally unsustainable. Because I think that's some, that's like an angle that people don't often think about um, is like just the sheer 
amount of product, amount of packaging that needs to go in when you're going to have like similar iterations of the same thing. Um, so I think that's a really good point. And I think it, you know, encourages people to maybe think about brands with smaller, um, I guess, collections in a different light. For sure. Yeah. So I am curious, you talked about how you are a solo entrepreneur, and that means that not only are you on the product development, you know, chemistry side of things, but you're also doing the marketing, the sales, business development, all of that fun stuff. So how do you navigate managing the other sides of the business along with product formulation? And do you get any help at all at this point with rebrand? Yeah, so it's definitely tough, not gonna lie. It is It is just me right now. And I do think that in the next year or so, that will probably change. Even if it's not full-time people, the things that I um, feel a little bit overwhelmed by sometimes are fulfillment, like just shipping out the orders, as well as social media. As you both know, social media is so much work. It's so much work, especially now with the emphasis on video. That just takes a lot more time to create, um, to edit, to add captions. Um, so it's it's a lot. And how I try to manage it is to basically pretend that I am multiple different people. First, <laughs> instead of just like creating a massive to-do list of everything that I have to do, I will say like, okay, for, for the content creator, she needs to do this this week. And the finance person needs to do this this week. And I will actually block out the chunks where I am like that person. (laughs) Which, um, I mean, I guess that's kind of how a lot of us studied too. It was like you studied Mm -hmm. for one class at a time. You didn't just try to like have all of your stuff out on your desk and learn it all at once. So that's what I've tried to do. And it, it really does work better for me to be able to focus on individual roles at each point in time. Um, but I, I do recognize that my strength, my strongest point is the product development. And I'd love to be able to bring on some other brains for the marketing um, and business development side of things at, at a certain point in the future. I'm like, girl, if you need a social media coordinator, you let me know. Oh my <laughs> gosh, yes. I'm like emailing you right now. (laughs) I actually love that technique for a couple reasons. I feel like number one, I'm huge into time blocking. Um, So that's like a really great example of how to time block effectively. And I've also read that, um, you know, getting in like the zone on one task is how to be most efficient with your time. So like, if you know, you're going to have to do a lot of like data entry, like just doing like that for a couple hours as opposed to like trying to switch on and off to different tasks. So I feel like it's good for that reason. Then I also feel like when you do eventually hire people, it's going to be so easy to delegate to them because you've already been thinking about it in terms of like having a person, even though they don't exist right now. Well, they do exist. It's you. But um, (laughs) I feel like that'll be such an easy handoff. Like I'm thinking of it from like a a startup strategy perspective and I'm really into it. Thank you. Yes, actually, that was part of the inspiration for it. There's this kind of older startup book called The E-Myth. And I would recommend it for anybody thinking about starting something. But that is kind of one of the ideas is to essentially like treat your business, even if you're never going to franchise it, treat it as a franchise to the point where you could write down these standard operating procedures for each person and just pass them off and they could run your business successfully. Mm-hmm. So I have SOPs for myself. I love that. <laughs> That's so chemistry. <laughs> I know. Um, 
curious as we kind of round out this section about rebrand, what's your favorite product of the line? And I know this is probably a hard question because obviously I'm sure you put your heart and soul into all of them, but curious if you have a favorite, at least right now. Yeah, that's a fun one. I love our cream that we just launched. So it's called the day and night cream specifically because in this whole vein of minimalism, I really wanted to create a product that would work across seasons, skin types, and even day and night. And I do think that we were able to achieve that. And part of that was due to the fantastic feedback from my samplers, which they as a group were very diverse in terms of of like skin type, skin tone, um, skin concerns. And so I think we honed in on something that is really incredible. I'm obsessed with it. I'm sorry to toot my own horn, but (laughs) as you should. (laughs) I am a very big fan and Part of the reason I love a moisturizer too is because it is kind of an all-in-one product. Like if you were just to strip down your routine to the very basics, you really just need a cleanser and a moisturizer and an SPF, don't forget. But um, my, uh, I have two other products that are more for specific skin concerns, a vitamin C serum and a facial oil. And these are fantastic products to add in, but I think the cream could be used by anybody and everybody. I have forced my husband to start using it and (laughs) he loves it too. Um, So yeah, that would be my favorite right now. Yeah. That's a good reminder. All the like 12% of men listening to this podcast, you need a skincare routine too. (laughs) Probably. But yes, (laughs) probably. Very true. Yes. Um, So transitioning into um, the concept of greenwashing and just tips for navigating skincare and the skincare industry as a whole, I'm curious what signs should our listeners look out for to ensure that they avoid greenwashing in the skincare products that they get? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think very relevant right now as anybody and everybody is just throwing out the word sustainable because (laughs) as we know, this has no legal definition. So it's free reign for marketers to use for whatever reason they choose. So a few things that I look out for personally as a consumer, one is that product offering that we've kind of already touched on. How many products is this brand selling? Even if they're claiming to be sustainable or if it's sustainable materials, it's kind of hard to believe that you have a hundred plus products and you're being very thoughtful about each one of them and the ingredients and everything that you put into them. So that's one thing. And then I always will look for that ingredient list on the product page, easily accessible, as well as end of life instructions. This is something I don't see enough of. And I think it should be just as prevalent as the ingredient list. Um, So they should be telling you what to do with it when you're done with it before you purchase it, in my opinion. And I also will go to the about us page. And this is going to be kind of a highlight reel for the brand, which makes sense. It should be, but um, it does give you a clue into, is this one of the first things they're talking about? Is it part of their brand identity or is it just something that they're slapping on at the end because they know it's going to make people buy their product? I think those are really good pro tips. And even as someone that's like pretty well versed in the sustainability space, the end of life instructions is a new one for me. Yeah. So I'm definitely gonna have to keep a lookout for that. So that should just be like on the same webpage with all the information about the product or should we have to go hunting or where is it usually? <laughs> I believe it should be right there, but it's not legally required in any way. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not mandatory. So you probably won't see it that often. But to me, when I see it, I'm like, that is a brand that knows what they're doing, that is taking responsibility 
for the packaging that they are putting out into the world. Um, so Cocoa Kind is another one that has it, and I love to see it. I have also just emailed brands even before buying it saying like, is this recyclable is like, and asking them, can you put this on the product page to tell people what to do with it at the end? So I think it's gaining traction, but as we as consumers ask for it more and more, I think we'll see it more and more. Mm -hmm. And also it's going to be hard for these big brands to have to say, oh, this is just trash. And that is hopefully going to make them think twice and take their packaging initiatives more seriously as well. Yeah, I think that's so true. And packaging is just something that, you know, is so necessary for so many things. And I feel like people don't even think of it often. They're thinking of like the ingredients and not so much the shipping and the emissions and the packaging and all those other things that happen in like the product life cycle. So it's good to have insight into what that is and why it's important. Um, And we also wanted to ask if there is an assumption about the skincare industry that you wish you could change or educate people on. Maybe it's something we've already talked about, but I was curious to get your thoughts. Yeah, that's a good one too. I do think we have kind of touched on it. And for me, it's the sheer number of products that we have been told that we need. It's just not accurate. You need a cleanser, a moisturizer, and an SPF. And if you have a specific skin concern, like you have hyperpigmentation or you have acne prone skin, yeah, you may want to add on a product for that. And that makes sense. But you do not off the bat need a 12 step skincare routine. Um, And we're kind of in this phase of overconsumption that is scary to me. And so I don't ever want to blame it on us as consumers, but we do have the power to kind of pull back and realize We may not need all of this, and I think a lot of the skin problems that people are having, we've seen a huge rise in sensitive and reactive skin, is a result of this overconsumption as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think the fact that skincare has become so trendy nowadays too, especially with people like Skincare by Hiram, it really inspires. I mean, I know I kind of went on a skincare trip where I was like, I want to try everything from the ordinary, Um, but kind of being conscious is definitely a great tip. And then kind of on the flip side, what's an assumption or even just an element about the skincare industry that you are really glad people are starting to catch on to, especially as skincare has become a bit more trendy? Yeah, I think that transparency is huge and it's becoming the norm, which I'm really happy about. Having the ingredient list visible on the product page, as well as even providing more information about the ingredients, I still don't think there's quite enough. A lot of brands are starting to be able to tell you what the ingredient does in the formula. I would love to even see where is the ingredient sourced from. And that's what I try to do for my ingredients on my website. Um, But I think people are becoming aware of the fact that like there is more to the product than what just arrives at my door. There is this whole life cycle that comes behind it and I should be able to know what that looks like. This is actually something that we didn't like draft to ask you, but I'm just curious to get your thoughts because it's something that I've been curious about for a while and I feel like my like thoughts on it have changed So I feel like there's, um, especially in like the eco girl community, as we coined, (laughs) I feel like there's, you know, a big focus on like trying to use natural products. So whether that's like, I don't know, essential oils or like different um, natural ingredients and things like that. But then also like there's brands like The Ordinary, which is largely like, I guess, synthetic, um, you know, chemicals and things like that. And so I'm curious, like from your perspective, like where do you think the balance is for that debate and like what should the average person like be looking 
out for when it comes to that. I don't know. I don't know if that question makes sense, but I feel like I'm always in this place of like, I want to use natural products, but I'm also learning that like synthetic doesn't mean bad. Like, I don't know. Just curious, like from a chemist, what do you think? (laughs) Totally. I think it's so tricky to be in the middle of this kind of marketing war that's going on where people are using the term clean and we're just stuck in the middle trying to figure out what that means. First of all, I would say that there's a lot of fear mongering for sure, because everything is a chemical. Even those natural ingredients are chemicals. Um, so anything that's like chemical free to me, I just eye roll and I'm like, okay, I don't take you seriously anymore. Um, but I do think there is a balance. And I don't think that just natural ingredients on their own are always the most sustainable solution. And that's kind of the lens that I take is sustainability. So say if you're looking for a specific ingredient that can be derived naturally, but you need to grow thousands of acres of the plant and then harvest the plant and you only take a tiny little percentage of the part of the plant that you want as an ingredient, is that really sustainable? Uh, You know, and, and that's a challenge and something we have to ask ourselves. I don't necessarily think that petroleum derived ingredients are the solution and are better, but there are different, like it's not so black and white. There's not just natural and synthetic. There are technologies that are kind of in the middle. One of my favorite technologies is biosynthesis. This is also known as like a fermentation process where you can create molecules and ingredients through fermentation of yeast and other microbes. And so that's like a cool in-between, like where does that fit? Is that natural? Is that synthetic? I don't know. And I think as a consumer, unfortunately at this point, it's going to continue to be a gray area until the retailers can kind of agree on one clean standard. For me, I think that the Credo clean standard is my personal favorite. Credo, C-R-E-D-O. It's a retailer based in San Francisco, but they have a few other locations. And I like to that products on their website first, just because I think their standard is a little bit more nuanced And it allows for some synthetics in certain situations where I believe they should be allowed. Another thing about their standard that I think is extremely important is that you can read it as a member of the public. You can click on it and read it. What I hate to see, and sorry to call out Sephora, but Sephora, (laughs) oh my gosh, they have their clean at Sephora label. And you used to be able to click on that. And there was a drop down menu of what that meant. And that has completely disappeared. And that terrifies me because I, I don't know, are people paying you off to get the label or like, I'm, I don't know what you're doing. You just slapped a green check mark on it and you did not explain what that meant. <laughs> so um, that worries me a little bit. So I like the Credo Clean Standard. I think for the time being, it really is a mess. And kind of going back to minimalism, like the best thing we're going to do for ourselves is just kind of reduce the number of products that we need and stick to those tried and true products that we know work for us individually. Mm -hmm. That's really great advice. Um, And I'm glad that you mentioned that like for the time being, everything's just kind of a mess because another thing we wanted to ask you about was obviously like, I feel like the U S is behind in a lot of areas related to consumer health and just ingredients and um, just um, like regulation around that and everything. So, um, from your perspective, when you look at the U S compared to like European markets and like what's allowed and what's not, 
What steps do you think the U.S. needs to take to catch up with skincare and standards in other countries? Like, what are your biggest observations about the different markets and how everything works? Definitely. So yes, we are way behind as far as number of chemicals that we regulate. Um, So that is concerning. And I think that's why we're in the place that we're in with all this back and forth, because the retailers and the brands have had to define this for themselves. And I think in a lot of cases, it's very good natured. They want, they really do want to give people something that's healthy for them. But again, you have thousands of brands coming up with their own definition and that's just going to lead to a lot of confusion. So I think that we need to increase the number of chemicals that the U.S. is looking at and California is ahead of the game on this. So they passed Prop 65 and they also um, passed specific regulation for cosmetics and this only banned like 12 ingredients that were banned in the EU like many, many years ago. But it's just a start and I think It takes a coalition of consumers and brands um, to really come to our regulatory bodies and say, like, this is something we expect from you. Um, It's something we expect you to provide. Yeah, that's really great insight. Um, And I'm curious, you've provided so much incredible advice for skincare, but what is your top piece of skincare advice that you would give to our listeners? Are there any ingredients that you love, anything that we should avoid at all costs? Just like the top piece, if you have wanted someone to take away one piece of skincare advice, what would it be? That's fun. Yeah. So, okay. I'm not a dermatologist, everybody, but (laughs) (laughs) so personally for me, I think keeping your skin barrier healthy is the biggest thing you can do. And so for me, that means very little use of really harsh ingredients. It doesn't mean it's not going to work for some people. If you have like a 15% acid peel that you love, you should absolutely enjoy that. Um, But for me, like long-term skin health wise, that barrier is very important. Um, So that means using you know, heavier moisturizers, natural oils, um, and things that support the skin barrier, cleansers that aren't too stripping or drying of the skin. Um, So yeah. And I saw your TikTok, or maybe it was a reel, but um, about how like hydration and moisturizing are not the same thing. So can you touch on that just in case people don't know? Cause I definitely didn't know that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, know that's, that is like such a fun fact. And yeah, people, people liked that video. So that was good. But essentially hydration has to do with water content. So it's about bringing water into the skin. So having water as an ingredient on the ingredient list, will do this having humectants, which are ingredients that pull water into the skin, like glycerin or hyaluronic acid. These will boost your skin hydration, the amount of water that's in your skin. Moisturization, on the other hand, refers to that barrier that I was just talking about. And so this is how well does it keep water in your skin? So essentially, you're bringing water in, and then you want ingredients that will support the barrier to really lock it in and keep it in there for longer. Um, So yeah, there are definitely some false product claims out there. If you see any facial oils saying they're hydrating, not possible. You don't have water. Um, But it is kind of a fine line and a little nuanced thing. So I'm glad I'm able to share a little more info on that. And yeah, I love answering the chemistry questions. So if anyone ever has any, DM me. I'm like literally taking notes like Professor Thompson. Thank you. (laughs) 
Um, cool. So then this is something that we ask all of our guests and it's a tough question, but I guess zooming out and thinking about everything we talked about during this episode, whether it's your college experience, you know, your mission with rebrand, the greenwashing, skincare as a whole, what is one thing you want our listeners to take away from this episode? Oh my gosh, we did touch on a lot of topics. I know. Yeah. yeah, I mean this this is a tricky one. I think I'll I'll direct it at people who are thinking about starting something on their own just because um, that may be you and I would say that you're not too young to do it. You can do it. And you you will absolutely have to learn things along the way and you absolutely have to make mistakes along the way, but just know that um, it's the best time of your life to try it out. There's nothing holding you back. And um, as we previously stated, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to have to get a job and you probably <laughs> already have one of those. So you'll be okay. <laughs> and um, I think overall, it's just been a fantastic learning experience about myself. And if I did return to the workforce, like this would be something I would put on my resume and be so proud of. So um, I would say, don't be afraid of failure and go for it. Uh, amen to that. Um, yeah. And then how can our listeners find you on social media and get involved with Rebrand? Yeah, so you can follow me at Rebrand Skincare on Instagram and TikTok. And then our website is rebrandskincare.com. As we mentioned, I am running all the socials. So yes, I will respond to your <laughs> message and you will see my face on there. Um, and I hope we can connect. Awesome. Nice. And we will have all we'll that. Have, oh, oh, you jinx. stole it from me. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, we'll have all of that linked down below for our listeners' convenience. Um, but we are going to end out the episode with our favorite game, which is this or that. So we have five questions for Aubrey, and she has not seen any of them. Some are hard-hitting, some less so, but we're just going to go ahead, kick it off, get a real candid response. And the first one is beach or mountains? Mountains lately. Oh, that's that's really tough. I thought but that I, would be hard for a California girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard, and I would have for sure said beach at a certain point in my life, but we've been getting really into backpacking, and it is just something so special to be out there with no service and just enjoying those lakes and trees. So, yeah, I have to go with mountains. You should definitely listen to our episode with Hannah of Rugget. It's like a really badass female-owned outdoor gear company, so you should check it out. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes, I have to. <laughs> so then the next one is vitamin C or niacinamide? I'm going to go niacinamide because it's multifunctional and it works for all skin types. Vitamin C is going to be kind of finicky. It, you may love it or you may see no difference at all or you may see irritation. So niacinamide. Pro I tip. agree with that. <laughs> I've actually never tried yeah, I've never tried vitamin C, but I am a niacinamide fan, so. We stand. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is mud mask or sheet mask? Mud mask 100p. We don't do single-use masks. <laughs> Wait, so true. <laughs> you got us there. Um, <laughs> the next no. one Sorry, go ahead. Face masks are for enjoying, so I don't want to. I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. Um, I will also <laughs> say that that mud masks do more for your skin, in my opinion. A mm. sheet mask is going to be hydrating, but you could say that about like a mist or even just a splash of water to the face. Whereas mud mask, you're going to get some exfoliation in there. Mm. Sure. 
that makes sense. Um, the next one is sweet or sour. I think sweet. Although, like, I, my favorite candy type thing is dark chocolate. So that's mm. not super sweet, yeah. but I love a dark chocolate. Yeah, sounds like you're more on the chocolate side of things than the fruity candy side of things. So I think that would be the right call. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> cool. And the last one is be able to speak to animals or be able to speak every language. Every language. <laughs> I That is like what I say would be my superpower when people ask me what my superpower would be. I just think it would be so cool. Um, I do speak decent Spanish um, and I've dabbled in some others. So I think that would be so cool. Plus animals, you can kind of communicate with them in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. When I was, um, when I came up with that one, I was thinking about what I would say. And I love animals like so much, but honestly, I just feel like the conversations like wouldn't be that interesting because they would just be like, <laughs> oh, ball or like food. You know, I don't really feel like I'd get that deep. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but. As far as we know. Yeah. Who knows? There could be a lot going on in there. That's true. Some cats, they've got that look, you know, pondering the universe. You never know. True. What would true. you pick, Kylie? I would definitely pick every language. I was actually going to say in my job interview, I have, I took sign language in college and so I have sign language on my resume and I've never had it brought up in a job interview until literally today so oh I was like gosh. I see you have American sign language on your resume I started sweating I was like oh yeah like I could probably hold a conversation but I'm definitely not fluent in it by any means I barely remember anything I put it on my resume like six months ago and I just left it there because I'm like whatever like people are just gonna be like cool sign language but this person was like yeah like you could definitely work with our disabilities department I was like oh my gosh they conduct no, the can't. rest of the interview in sign language right right <laughs> can you yeah. imagine I literally would fingerspell everything it would be horrible so yeah every language including <laughs> sign language is love my that pick. yes <laughs> Have you guys ever used – I know this isn't relevant to sign language. At least I don't think so. But have you guys ever used Duolingo, like the app? Yes. Um, yes. I tried it for Italian before I went to Italy. I thought it was pretty good. But, yeah. okay, as you'll probably imagine from me, I love just, like, the very didactic breakdown of, like, how do I conjugate the verbs? Like, that's what I want to know. Yeah, and Duolingo is very, like, how do I say this sentence? And – I'm like, let's deconstruct it. Let's get into the mathematics of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At one, at one point, I um, got into the habit of doing 12, 330 on the treadmill and then also being on Duolingo, like doing a Duolingo lesson at the same time. Oh and my that gosh, was like, girl. That was a peak, but I've since declined. But I would highly recommend it. It's like a good, um, it's a good way to fit in both things. <laughs> That's incredible. That's like people who listen to audiobooks while working out. And I'm like, I don't get you, but I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's big um that girl energy. You know the that girl trend on TikTok? Huge yes. that girl energy. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's everything we have for this episode. So I just want to say thank you so much to Aubrey for being our lovely guest today. We learned so much about skincare and we're really excited to check out all of your products. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. Yeah. And as we said, we'll have everything linked below and we will chat with you guys next Tuesday. Bye everyone. Bye.